Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, Season 4, Episode 5. Beer Bad. I'm your host, Dennis St. John. You can buy my comic, Land of Many Monsters, and many more monster tales and other stuff on Amazon. So let's get started. But first, I want to introduce people. This is our very first episode this season where the entire cast is here. So first, let's introduce Yay! our regular cast, starting with Mike. Hi, I'm a virgin. I've only seen Buffy up to Beer Bad. So season four, episode five. Episode five. five. Why don't we go next to Lando? Hey, everybody. This is Lando. And Trav. And I'm, and I'm Travis. I'm the uh, person with really bizarre, very opinionated ideas, apparently, about, uh, about what I feel like this show should be about, huh? And then, yes, thank you, Travis. Thank you for being here. Uh, and then we have with us today a special guest, Jason Cooper. He's a, a writer for uh, Peanuts, among other things. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here with all you fine gentlemen. Thanks for coming, Jason. This is uh, your very first podcast. Is it My not? very first podcast, and I've been telling Dennis for a very long time, like, why do you have a podcast? I've never been on it. And he's like, it's about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Then I was like, well, I've never seen that. So that's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> or he just hated me. But. We'll find out in the middle of this podcast. Right. <laughs> Confrontation. <laughs> so Jason, why don't you talk a little bit about your uh, Buffy experience? Uh, well, I'd spoken off mic before. I, I am familiar with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Christy Swanson is a dreamboat. I knew of the TV show and I'd watched a few episodes, but I've never, I've never really watched the series or anything. I called myself not a Buffy virgin, but kind of a Buffy kissed a girl a couple of times and that's it. <laughs> Don't encourage John. <laughs> you leave archive of our own out of it. It will, it will come up naturally. Uh, and for this episode, Jason has concocted a specialty cocktail called the Caveman. Yes. Ooh. I contemplated Black Frost, but I wanted to leave that for the beer. And I also thought bringing bad beer was a little too on the nose. A little too on the nose. <laughs> and also, why make us suffer? Yes. <laughs> May I ask what's in a caveman? Oh, yeah. Well, so I started thinking about cocktail ingredients and cavemen. And so I thought about fire. So, and I thought whiskey and bourbon are sort of what you drink around a campfire. And like fruits and berries. So I kind of concocted a little berry mixture with some almond extract in it. And then clubs because I always assume that cavemen carry clubs, so I put some club soda in there. And garnish. <laughs> yeah, and I put some rosemary in it because it looks like a stick and it smells good. It's a little sprig. A little, it's a sprig, what the fancy yeah, it people It smells say. great. They could have gathered it. It makes exactly. a lot of sense. Exactly. It was the first spice a cave person used to <laughs> spice up. You might actually be more of a bartender than Xander. <laughs> I think I probably. <laughs> He's definitely more of a bartender. I like, you just get a job as a bartender with not having any experience at all. And Jason is actually an expert mixologist. He came to my apartment with his own traveling bar set. Uh, Whoa. Only because a good friend of mine 
found it at an estate sale and he sent me a picture of he's like do you want a traveling bar set and i was like of course i want a traveling bar set <laughs> a dead man's traveling bar set <laughs> he died of alcoholism and travel <laughs> i'll take it uh so why don't we actually start the episode we're gonna go uh straight into reactions and let me tell you we had a dramatic week on the internet <laughs> Audience reactions. First of all, as always, Travis uh, gained some drama, but this time it was me. Travis wasn't even on. It was <laughs> me kind of trying to explain Travis caused some drama, and Mike caused some drama from being at the at WhedonCon also. Uh, but why don't we start with uh, what Silver Spike said? Uh, Trav, why don't you read this? If uh, Silver Spike one said, "If Travis isn't into forgiveness, I don't know how he can bear to watch this show because." In my opinion, it's all about forgiveness and redemption. Maybe a tad less than in ATS. I'm not sure what ATS is. Maybe it's Angel, Angel the Series. Angel the Series, okay. Um, but Buffy is a pretty forgiving character when you get down to it. As to using Buffy as a way of airing your own issues, that's fine. But sometimes, may I suggest that can confuse and maybe mislead some as to what to expect when viewing your channel as most other analysis don't go down that route. As for Xander, come on, guy. Oh, okay. I feel like we can come up with a new disclaimer that says, I'm not sure. We can, maybe we can air a new disclaimer at the beginning of these episodes. <laughs> That's smart. I, that makes I mean, sense. I will defend. I think we talk about Buffy a lot. Like, we talk about it all the time. First off, number one, no one, I mean, I am up there with people who know the text of Buffy and Angel, okay? I'm not the best person who knows the text. I'm not, it's not that I'm not about forgiveness. Okay, I'll rant, I'll, I'll rant on. <laughs> I'm not about forgiveness. It's just that basically my country where I live is suffering because of this patriarchy for the past 200 or 300 years. And this was, it, if it keeps manifesting in all these different television episodes that teaches young men that this is okay, this is fine, you can do this, then uh, my, my life will be worse because of it. And I think this country would be worse because of it. So So Silver Spike has a couple other notes there. He says, as to Xander, come on, guys, it's a 20-year-old show. And then as for the final Spike-Buffy fight, and this is regarding uh, season four, episode three. Uh, if you can forgive the stunt people, I think it's one of Buffy's best. Short, sharp, but effective. Spike has shown to be really vicious here. Uh, you always did like to kick a dolly when it's down. down. And that sudden kick to her chest gets me every time. Silver Spike is totally right. We really should uh, give Xander a break. They, it's not like they had feminism in the 90s, so we should just <laughs> yeah. talking about quality, equal pay. None of that, that's been really new. All right, guys. <laughs> so I'm just going to read from uh, on Twitter. Um, Ren and Oz uh, was super pumped that Harmony came back uh, as a vampire, and so she said she loves post-high school harm. Uh, who is possibly my favorite cameo ever in a future episode. Um, and she also says, also, if Michael is listening, I heard about his Buffy, the character, disdain at WhedonCon, and he's manifestly wrong. I will legit throw down in a verbal stouch uh, over why Buffy is, in fact, the greatest character in the show, and I will bring receipts. Um, you, guys, you guys had some uh, discussion on Twitter. Uh, what did you say, Mike? Oh yeah, she's starting <laughs> she's like, to get interesting, but she's not over Angel, not even sure what college is. I'm more interested in Anya, Xander, Harmony Spike, Willow Oz, Solo Giles, Solo Joyce. So basically everyone else in the cast over 
the Buffy situation. But she says, then uh, Renee says, uh, not being a reverse love affair after four months is accurate AF. And then I said, well, we still talk about things that happened 20 years ago. So <laughs> we're all struggling. <laughs> that, was a, that was a fun uh, fun conversation to have on Twitter. I still feel like Ren, Ren, and, Ren and I should be on this show sometime. She, she comments so, so well. Why don't we move on to the summary? The summary. Imagine an episode of Buffy written to get funds from the Office of National Drug Control Policy to teach the dangers of boozing, only to have those funds rejected because the anti-drug message was lost to, quote, otherworldly nonsense, very abstract, and not like real-life kids taking drugs. You don't have to imagine it. We're talking about it. That episode right now. Buffy and some snobby college guys drink a warlock's foamy brew and devolve into cave people. As my grandpa used to say, you can tell the man who boozes by the company he chooses. And with that, the pig got up and walked away. And so we would have walked away from this episode. But we can't. Well, a long time ago, way back in history, when all they had to drink was nothing but cups of tea, along came a man by the name of Charlie Mops, and he invented a wonderful drink and he made it out of hops. Beer, 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 tiddly beer, beer, beer. Hey, I'm already ready for another beer, down here. All right, all right. To make a long story a little bit longer, cavemen on college campus have some hilarious hijinks, in general acting like normal college guys on campus. But then they start a fire and endanger some lives. So Neander Buffy swings in, saves the day, clobbers Parker, and we call it a night. Because at 11 o'clock we'll stop. And for five short seconds we'll remember Charlie Mops. One, two, three, four, five. Beer, 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 tiddly beer, beer, beer. Caveman drinking beer, beer, beer. All right. <laughs> Can I get you to record that for my voicemail? <laughs> Maybe your ringtone. <laughs> This episode is awesome. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm relentlessly uh, enthusiastic about Buffy. I don't feel like I learned much about what happens in the episode, but I did learn that it's about beer. Beer bad. Beer bad beer, is the story. I learned that beer was foamy. Beer foamy. Yeah. Great lines. All right. I have the first couple here. I really like uh, Caveman Buffy being like, TV is a good thing. Bright colors, music, tiny little people. I also like the just the explanation for the magic. This episode is just my brother-in-law is a war is a warlock. He showed me how to do it. Ah, we're done. That's it. In Sunnydale, that's that's enough. Is that uh, a, thing, a common thing just in Sunnydale that you can? I I watched that. And I was like, is that just an explanation people will accept? And he was like, wait a second. There's a lot to unpack here. This is, this is season four of a show. Right. With monsters every week. I really enjoyed uh, when Xander suddenly changes voices into another human and says, nothing can defeat the penis. Too loud. <laughs> Very unseemly. That did sound like an entirely different voice. It Do really does. It's, it's clearly dubbed in, I think, but I don't know if, it, if it's even him. It sounds like it's some other human being. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I also uh, enjoyed at the end when uh, Xander gets to say, uh, this will give them some time to consider the geopolitical ramifications of being mean to me. <laughs> that was great. Very satisfying. Yeah, so I don't know who says this, but in the bar, when uh, the jerks are all drinking, just someone yells, Black Frost is the only beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even someone at the table. <laughs> oh, yeah, I really liked 
I don't know why when they right before the caveman transformation where the I don't know the lead guy shirt boy ran into the room and was like ran into the bathroom and there was a bang and he's like somebody didn't have their fiber today was Xander's I don't know why that was so funny to me but I like you hear a bang and you actually like gravitate to a fart joke or something like that it's like that man just shit an actual I know I like I would be like I think someone just died I, I love when Willow said to uh, Buffy, but Buffy wasn't there. I think she goes, Buffy, do you know Veruca? Dresses like Faith, voice like an albatross. Like, Willow's <laughs> just talking smack about this chick because she knows that Oz is into her. I, lo- I love Willow and she's mean like that. And then at the end of the episode, Giles says to Xander, whose van is that? And is the van that all the cavemen are in? And he goes, I don't know, not mine. <laughs> Probably the Warlock Brothers van. <laughs> Oh, man. And why don't we do Kill Count now also? Um. The Kill Count. So six fantasy vampires die. There's uh, six KOs um, and three are Parker getting knocked out. One exterior of a car is destroyed. Uh, One coffee shop and one car interior, I assume, from the cavemen. Parker and Parker and Giles should like get together for the, like the concussion support group. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Giles gets like hit in the head this episode, but doesn't get knocked out. But he's like one of the only ones who doesn't. Uh, let's move on to weird noticings and trivia. Weird noticings. In the opening fantasy sequence, where Buffy's slaying vampires. You can really tell that the Matrix just came out. Yeah, all the black, pulsing music. Yeah. So- you know what song they're ripping off? Because it sounds like a song, like they tried to do a sound alike to another song. I don't know. Okay, I don't know either, but it just has a sound like another song, like it's trying to replicate another hit. But yeah, that cold open is one hell of a daydream because she's just in class. It's not like she like woke up from a deep sleep. It's just like looking at Parker is all it takes. Gotta go in full fantasy mode, not just like a little abstract dreaming. Like I was so happy that was a fantasy sequence, by the way, because not <laughs> not watching this show, <laughs> it was like this is this is bad. And then I like, <laughs> it's a fantasy sequence. All right, then I'll allow it. Like, is this how it always is on the show? Said lion. I guess. I guess I said the the Buffy subtext uh, became that went to college and became a lecture by Doctor Professor Professor Walsh. <laughs> just like, oh man, Jason, there's an earlier episode in Buffy, Jason, where somewhere there's this whole subtext that becomes text. And I guess that doesn't make a lot of sense what I just said. It was pretty like in your face trying to explain what's going on, which is... Yeah. Nothing in this episode was in your face, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, a, a very subtle episode. Yeah. Directly state, this is the id. You're the like, id. So I wrote, obvious. It was I like, just like, food, sex, shelter. That's what we want all the time. I was like, that's how I walk around all the time. <laughs> sex, shelter. In that order. Just holding everything in. Yeah. The moment I walk Where's out... Where's the my... roof? Why am I not under a roof? <laughs> Who, what is this murderous sky above me? <laughs> How about that uh, the PowerPoint that she had that was like 1970s stock photos of like a hamburger? <laughs> that was pretty amazing. Before and she had it on like the projector and the TV above her head. This is an intense AV situation for uh, 1999. I like the idea like that, that back in the 90s, the TAs would have to go like obtain real life pictures. There's no Google search. So it's like, damn it. Damn it, Riley. You got to go to get a picture of a hamburger. <laughs> 
like that's, that's what he was doing. He was like, you know, developing film the night before for her freaking presentation. <laughs> I don't think Riley took the picture that represents sex either. I don't know. College is one hell of a hell of a time. <laughs> he would have been great as a stock footage actor. Don't get me started on this. Let's. I can go down this rabbit hole a long time. He definitely could have been the the meme guy from um, guy looking over yep. his shoulder. Yep. 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 That meme. Yeah. Do you know he played professional basketball? He's tall, but not in America. He wasn't good enough for the NBA, so he played in. He played for a professional basketball team in Manchester. Oh, isn't that weird? That is weird. So, uh, during in Buffy's scar watch, um, the scar is, vi- is visible in the bar while she's talking to Riley. Speaking of Riley, where's Buffy's scar? She has a uh, scar on her right right neck from being bitten by Angel in oh, uh, season three, and it occasionally is put on. Uh, so that's my new obsession is when is it visible? Did she have an official lie she told the doctor for that? Because every once in a while, it's like Joyce was what cutting with like a barbecue. <laughs> yeah, <or>? barbecue spork. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't remember if Buffy had a great lie. but Well, she was unconscious when they brought her in. So she didn't yeah. have to come so up with a lie. So technically, Angel was the one who had the lie. Uh, he just looked like he was raged out. People did not <laughs> ask him those questions. <laughs> is that why he had to go do his own show? Was he better? He's feeling better now. Oh, okay. Or is he? We'll find out. <laughs> the road to redemption is rocky. So I don't know the name of this actor. He probably does have a name, but like the leader of the college kids. Because like the other ones are like man one, man two and stuff. The, the character is, is Calm. Calm? Calm? C-O-L-M? Calm? I don't know how you say that. It's an Irish name. Dennis, how do you say it? Calm. Calm. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know the actor's name. So I... I love how quickly this escalates this little conversation where Xander just doesn't understand where the, like the line is between bartender and, you know, person getting a drink and person who gives drinks and kind of oversteps a little bit, but then Colin needs no, like no fuel whatsoever to get into his whole spiel about how he's better than everybody. And like how the townies are, our peanut servers love it yeah. but his go-to also, like you're an idiot to like take someone down is what are the geopolitical ramifications of bioengineering let's have a chat about it and it's like man i hate college students clearly they with whatever yeah it's like that man that guy's major is probably like 100 percent what determined what question thing he used to intimidate someone it's just such a shitbag thing Anyway, love it. But what are the geopolitical ramifications of bioengineering? Well, if we're talking about food, then it means that world hunger is less of an issue than it was 20 years ago, right? I think it just means there's a lot more corn than there used to be. I mean, you could, there are a lot of geopolitical ramifications. So you could, you could do a GMO crop and then another country could develop a specific pesticide or chemical that would kill your GMO crop, right? That would only target your GMO crop, not their own, and release it worldwide. Let's not talk about this. It's all in a <laughs> it's totally legit. Illuminati plan. For also, months. I was going to say, you know, you notice that when these BS, like BS punks, they're always asking some sociology or like economics question. Like no one ever is like asking a physics question in these, you know, I'm just saying there's, there's like a little self-selection when it comes to majors. Like, you know, no, there's never like a, phys- a physics question where somebody tries to punk someone at a bar about a physics question. Well, in Google <laughs> Hunting, it's history, right? Yeah. John, how would you define this kind of behavior? What would be- I, would des- I would describe it as getting goodwill hunting. <laughs> Not goodwill hunted. <laughs> I suppose that's better. <laughs> hunting season.
Had that come out yet? Yes, it's yeah. two years earlier. So this okay. was definitely, I think it's clearly intentionally referencing that scene. Except yet, it's not in recommendations. <laughs> Xander does not get to say that uh, anything about apples. That doesn't get to happen. Well, he does get the last word though. It's easy to have the last word on cavemen. They're yeah. <laughs> barely lingual. <laughs> the show also could have been called Beware the Wasps, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, I feel. That's all. But uh, I just wanted to point that Cal Penn went to college with uh, Buffy. Uh, it's, a, it's a little odd to see him, right? Uh, Harold from Harold and Kumar. Yeah. 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 Well, actually, and um, he's commented a lot. I, and he's, he's done interviews where he talks about how, like, uh, how thankful he is that his, you know, he, he got gigs like on Buffy and Angel. So he's also an angel, too. And he goes on. So you can Google this if you want to. He says a lot of nice things. But I think one of the big things was that he wasn't typecast as a specific role because Back in the late 90s, early 2000s, if you're like, if you were Asian or a minority, you got super typecast. Uh, so he was like, yeah, this is really great. I just, I played cool characters that had nothing to do with color my skin. Yeah. yeah. When, he, when he turns into a caveman later, all I can think is like, this man worked in the Obama White House. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also thought, wasn't he the only bit of diversity in that entire cast and show? For this episode? Yeah. Yes. It was a pretty white cast. I was like, yeah. just watching the credits again, like, there's, wow. That's pretty typical for Buffy. Racist Buffy. <laughs> What's, uh, what does Trick call it? Strictly of the... Caucasian, Caucasian persuasion. Caucasian persuasion. <laughs> so when, Joyce, when uh, Buffy is getting drunk, she's like, mom always told me beer is evil. And I just like, I don't believe that line. That, that strikes me as such a funny line. Like, Joyce does not strike me as a teetotaler. And I know she enjoyed drinking the schnapps with Pat. So like, that's bullshit. Do as I say, not as I drink. Yeah. Let's talk about our parents. (laughs) (laughs) Let's say hi to our parents. Uh, (laughs) Parents got to give advice that uh, maybe uh, maybe they don't follow, but that's okay, parents. I just don't think, I don't think Joyce even said that. I don't believe that line. I think that was written specifically for this episode to try to get that sweet government money. And was like, it's just a line that really sticks out to me. I was like, either Buffy is lying right now or this is like another dimension. So you're joking about this money. Did they get some money from the government for this episode? No, they, the, the story is they applied for it, <gasps> uh, but were rejected. So I actually this do want to get totally, into this. Is this true? So, okay. I'm actually not convinced that it's exactly true. The, it might be a myth. You, you found this on Wikipedia, right? That's where I found it. Yeah. So the Wikipedia article makes this claim that, and this is a real thing that happened, which is kind of like a minor scandal in a way, because what happened was the, uh, and I'm going to kind of go a little bit cassette deck on this and go into the details, but um, (laughs) basically what happened was the the office of the drug czar bought up all this ad time when ad time was super cheap in 1997, right? Economy was kind of in a slump. And so ad time was really cheap. There were like lots more cable channels and stuff. So they bought up all this ad time when it was cheap to do drug PSAs. And then because of the dot-com boom and there were a lot more companies advertising when this came out around 99, ad prices went way, way up. And they had already sold all of this cheap ad time to the government and the uh, you know television networks were kind of pissed off because they'd sold it at this like low bargain bulk rate. And so they made a deal with the government, which was that they could get, they could basically double dip and get credit for some of that ad time that they had sold if they used like if they basically moved the anti-drug message into the program itself. And so you could like apply to have, get, get this credit if you had anti-drug messaging in the show. And like Seventh Heaven definitely did it. Uh, 
there was a couple other shows that definitely did it. I lost my list now, but Buffy yeah, apparently applied and lost because it, like you said, it was, it was too fantastical. It was too abstract. They didn't get it. But the articles that are cited in that Wikipedia page, they don't mention beer bad by name. Ah. So I don't know if that's mentioned somewhere, like somewhere else. Somebody has like definitely said it was be- the script was beer bad that got rejected. But I think it's just as likely could be a, like the uh, possession episode with with Giles. Or it's, it also seems likely to me the way it's phrased in the in the piece is that it's some script that was never produced because because it was rejected. It's kind of crazy that there was a time when the government was like actively trying to propagandize through these shows. Something that wouldn't. That hasn't happened. It didn't happen before. It hasn't happened since. It's kind of a crazy yeah. thing. It is. It's a shady situation. But I, I, I think part of it, part of why we think it's this episode is it explains this episode, which is a wonky one. Yeah. yeah. Why I thought it was the perfect episode to bring uh, Buffy just kiss, just just got into first base. Uh, Shaking in. hands. That's all. <laughs> I think it's funny that like was it every WB show was so desperate for money that like we'll do whatever you want, government. Yeah, whatever <laughs> message you want, we'll put it in there. It's fine. Vampires but- buy war bonds. But do you think that it comes across? Do you think it comes across as like an anti-beer episode? I mean, it do, I don't feel like it really. There's a couple of weird lines. Like there Giles, are. Giles uh, is like, I can't believe you served her. You served her that. And he's like, What? I didn't know it was magic. He's like, but you knew it was beer. Totally. <laughs> I had a question. How old are they at this point? Do you guys? Like, uh, they're the actors or the characters. Why does Xander? Why were they surprised that Xander needed? Like, you're not old enough, but she's like walking into a bar and drinking, and it's okay. They're uh, they're supposed to be about eighteen or nineteen at this point. That's they're too. Fresh. That is too young to legally drink in a bar, right? But not a yes. college bar where they don't ID. <laughs> Where your friend is a bartender. Yeah, I don't feel like they like push hard enough on the alcohol as a problem to like for it, like, because it's clearly a supernatural alcohol. Well, we'll get into it. You know, even like the weirdness that might have happened under the influence of alcohol doesn't really happen. Uh, I don't want to say sex. This whole, this whole episode yeah. is like, why did Buffy did turn into like Neanderthals, right? And that happened. Buffy needs to never drink that happened to with me once. guys. Yeah. I mean, that's like. Buffy, did you learn nothing? Don't ever drink with frat people. I was so scared for her this whole episode. That's true. She did have one drink with a frat guy one time and almost got sacrificed to a snake. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that's this episode's all kinds of red flags that's like you don't pay attention to because you're, uh, I know. The shows that definitely took this money are uh, Beverly Hills 90210, WB. Chicago Hope, uh, ER, Seventh Heaven, of course, and the Drew Carey show. So oh. apparently there's an anti-drug episode of Drew Carey. Drew Carey's character on that show owned a brewery. <laughs> he did? I mean, it's, it was a, him and his friends were microbrewers. Oh, that's right. I bet Why it's an anti-drug that? episode. Who did, which character on yeah. the show did they decide to turn into a drug addict for yeah. money? <laughs> I don't have any of those details, but. I think like four out of five of those were produced by Warner Brothers. Ah, oh, Jason also uh, used to work for Warner Brothers, so he's yeah, got the they, inside scoop on that kind of thing. Yeah, they shot ER there, and Buffy was produced by them. And Promised yeah. Land, Cosby, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Boy Meets World, General Hospital. Now, did these manifest the in like in? I would love to know the form it took place. You know, like was it? Oh, they got busted for possession. Was it like an overdose? Did they just you know their parents discovered them drinking? Was it a car crash? You know. DUI situation. I mean, there's just so many drug-induced fatalities or concerns you could bring up. So are you trying? And they're all fun. Sponsored? sponsored. Are you trying to get this up television? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Get some, get some government money for this podcast. 
Well, some of those shows seems like it's easier to slip that message in, like the hospital drama shows where something bad happens, or like Cosby Show. Yeah. God rested soul. It, where, yeah, it's it's you know, my default like, assumption. It's my default assumption that they're trying to target young people for these messages. But like, what young people in the '90s were watching General Hospital? Yeah. <laughs> the kids who were sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. What about serving too much drugs? Yeah. I mean, it's pre-Scrubs medical drama. I don't know what you, where do you get medical <laughs> fix from. Can we just refer to every like uh, medical drama as being pre-Scrubs or post-Scrubs? <laughs> and Sarah Michelle Gellar started her career on All My Children. I actually have an All My Children story I've never revealed on this podcast. My uh, office mate, Justin, worked for three days on All My Children for a hurricane episode. Oh, yeah. And he got, um, he was a stuntman and he got thrown across the room. So he worked with Sarah Michelle Geller for like three days. And his comments, which is part of why I've never brought this up, his comments about it are, she was underage. Still hot, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she played, uh, was it Bianca? She was the first Bianca. Um, and then there are different actresses who replaced her. But also, All My Children was always getting hit by weird weather storms. So Hurricane does not, does not surprise me. All right, John, uh, what do you, you uh, got to say is about stupid. This, is, this is stupid, but I just, I mean, I know the point of Colm is to be an idiot and a blowhard, but his whole rant, he goes on about how if uh, ancient civilizations had had alcohol, that they, there wouldn't, you know, humanity's history wouldn't be so violent, uh, is really stupid because beer is basically humanity's first invention. <laughs> if you like any, any beer book you pull off the shelf will have an introduction about how the grand history of beer and how the ancient Sumerians brewed beer or whatever. And yeah, that, that line always bothers me also because I'm like, I know it's dumb, but it always distracts me. And I, yeah, I mean, it's kind of the point is that he's an idiot, but... Everybody knows uh, beer was invented by Charlie Mops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was, just, I was just laughing that uh, this is what Jason was, was wondering. Is it, is it normal for someone just to say, oh, yeah, uh, my brother's a warlock or brother-in-law is a warlock? <laughs> it's just kind of the craziest thing. Even for Buffy, it's, it's just like pretty crazy. It's almost as crazy as just like, going to the going to the slaughterhouse to buy blood and someone be like oh you want some brains oh yeah i had to guy uh, deliver brains to all the time <laughs> super wacky also was that guy's name jack is that the bartender guy's name yes the guy that owned the yeah. bar yeah, yeah I think where was right. he when xander was so busy and everyone was yelling at him <laughs> and he was yeah. like like 1,800 people needed drinks, but he'd like... Just during that one goddamn just, Like your first night, you're going to leave him alone, and then I'm just going to oh, him out of the back. Like, I've had bosses like that. <laughs> and then, uh, then I said, Willow's, Willow's mind is always in the gutter since she got to college, you know, with Buffy and the group sex. Like, she immediately is kind of always, like, jumping to, like, something sexual now. She has been, uh, yeah, she has been more sexual this season. <laughs> like, way more. And then the whole, like, ooh, ouch. Like, it was just, like... It was a lot, like Willow's reaction to Buffy's like monosyllabic language as a cave girl. I love Sarah Michelle Gellar's acting in that early stages of being a cave girl. Yeah, uh, I think that stuff's really funny. Uh, Buffy stealing a sandwich from someone in class is the most fucked up, unforgivable transgression in this episode. I was shocked when I saw that. And they set it up because you see the woman eating a sandwich. And by the way, you never see someone eating food in a show because it's gross. <laughs> yeah. Because they have like, to take yeah. like multiple takes. Yeah, or right? during it a class. Like if you're a professor, you're like, do you want to listen to this? Put your sandwich down, please. <laughs> right. This, and also, this, this is a morning class, obviously. <laughs> and it looks like a full jughead, uh, whatever you call this. It, like, it's a big sandwich, right? 
I think it would be yeah. a Dagwood, Mark. A Dagwood. Uh, Jughead, Jughead is into the hamburgers. Dagwood. I'm sorry. Mike's into the full Jughead. Yes. <laughs> it's a full Dagwood. Excuse Blondie me. is the brownie. I'm on the right podcast. So like it's just this full <laughs> Dagwood or whatever. But she just like grabs it, starts snacking, and no remorse. And I, I was shocked. I didn't realize being a caveman meant no remorse. I get she's hungry and hungover and stuff. It doesn't have to take care of herself. But uh, anyway, it's a lovely scene. It's shocking. Yeah, it's so weird. And I, it's also like, it's the social construct of like, what do you do in this situation? Like, the one who gets her sandwich stolen isn't even yelling. She's like, what the yeah. fuck? No, you can't do anything. Because you already yeah, kind of broke a rule anyway to get it there. You're defi- you definitely can't, like, interrupt Maggie Walsh's class again in the, like... No, like, it's like stealing drugs from the dealer, you know? You can't. What are you going to The police aren't going to come get you. It's a victimless crime <laughs> that has no consequences. <laughs> the band Shy, this is a, uh, apparently not the only time we hear them, but um, they are actually, all the music is performed by a band called THC. And that band no longer exists. They produced one album, uh, three or four of their songs were used on Buffy, and uh, that was the end of them. Veruca definitely has a very 90s look, right? <laughs> I wrote in my notes, nice pants. <laughs> but she is not the actual singer. That, that would be someone else. Somebody else has the voice of the albatross. Yes. When um, the caveman, after the transformation and everything, when the caveman attack, Willow has like one second that she could have used to either run away or like magic up or something. But instead, she's just like, I got to get one last dig on Parker here. She's like, see, this is you. I got to say that Parker scene where she confronts Parker and then he kind of like flips the script and it's going to like maybe come on to Willow is a super ambiguous and strange scene that first time watching this thing, I was like, I don't, I think Willow is going to like flip it on him, but I can't tell where this show what's like from this episode. I don't know what this show wants to teach me about relationships. At this <laughs> I feel totally Parkered. I have no idea. <laughs> Jason, uh, uh, coming in this, not knowing Willow, the Willow Oz relationship very well. Mm-hmm. What did you think was going on in that Who scene? Who is Oz? Oz is Seth Green. Oh, uh, well, I knew what was about to happen. I knew what Parker was doing. And I kept thinking that I hope this doesn't happen. And I was like, how terrible are just men in general that this has been written and people are watching it and assume that this is a possibility and I just felt bad. And I was like, I hope this doesn't happen. And then also I was, I, I, I always associate Alison Hannigan with How I Met Your Mother because that's how, when I see this looking back, I'm like, she's a better actor in How I Met Your Mother than in Buffy. How and, dare you say And then I was like, oh, I see what Dennis, she's turn off the camera. No, <laughs> I was like, oh, I see what she's doing there. She was playing up the... She was pretending to be dumb right there. So I was. Uh, we, we know. We know. I was just kidding. <laughs> just click. I'm concerned with their relationship, though, after seeing the nice pants albatross. So. <laughs> I hope, yeah, I hope those, it I hope does look like the relationship is in trouble, for sure. Did, that the did, little it look Oz like, thing. did it look like Veruca was just staring at Oz singing? Yeah. Because Willow was like, do you know this person? Because it looked like that yeah. person was just singing and staring at Oz. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like crazy? I also like that. Um, I don't think Oz is lying to Willow at this point. Like, I think Oz genuinely doesn't know what's going on with his own feelings. He's like, I don't know. Like, he seems as puzzled by it. Like, he's just, he's such a disconnected dude. I feel like he's just Dennis, so, like, disconnected Dennis, from his own A dog 28 days out of the month, and for the last three, he'll be a werewolf. That's all I'm saying. Hey, 
watching the show, it did feel like they were introducing another drug. Like, oh, there's the Black Frost, and maybe there's also music drug (laughs) that only affects Oz for some reason. Roka is the only music. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that, the, the thing that I think bothers me the most about this episode, and this isn't just Buffy specific it's a lot of caveman movies and i love caveman movies is the show fucking chickened out and not giving buffy a neanderthal brow yeah like it does the rest of them i mean this is something i'm going to complain about in recommendations also dude give the lady a caveman brow come on you can still make it sexy don't don't be don't be like afraid (laughs) don't be afraid to to like unsexy the lady by browing her up they did the same thing on uh, Deep Space Nine when they were decided to have a lady trill and they changed the makeup. Ah, uh, they sexied up the makeup. Yeah. Dex. I thought, they w- I thought she was going to have it because they did that slow reveal. Remember when she was pinning yeah. on the wall and then like she slowly turned like, oh, here it comes. And it was nothing. But it was nothing. They she chickened out. It was just full on chickening out. Her hair was still better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they give her kind of like dreaded out kind of weird hair? Yeah. 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 And that's the extent of it. And I think they did do some makeup on the brow. They like browned it up a little, but like not, it's not full. Well, she's got to yeah, be like, redeemable in some way. You got to be able to identify the bad guys. Oh, uh, I, there's the moment where um, they got Buffy in the dorm room and she's starting to go caveman and she's like, Buffy want beer. And they're like, Buffy can't have beer. Beer is the problem. They should have just given her some beer, like not magic beer. But, like, give her some regular beer. That will make her more docile and, you know, happy until she until it wears off. Because they know, at that point, they know it's going to wear off in 24 hours. Just get her drunk. <laughs> Problem solved. I think they weirdly underestimate Buffy when she's a cave person, which is straight you up dumb. You know better than that by now. Yeah. <laughs> like, Xander got beat up by her, like, just a couple episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I really like her spinning in the chair. Uh, I bet that's a gif. That's a funny gif. So uh, did they, they all went to high school together and then went to college together? Yeah. Well, well so Giles was their librarian in high school. What is he now? Now he's just a man of leisure. We, <laughs> you know, we haven't really had the full discussion about like what Giles's finances are. Because um, they are kind of a mystery. Oh, did he like hit the payoff from the Watcher Council for like getting the slayer to a certain age and then like you just get <laughs> like a bonus regular annuity or you well, know. he got fired on her 18th birthday right so he probably didn't hit that like they, oh, yeah no pension. Right before they had a, they were gonna have to give him a pension that's that's cold blooded <laughs> so maybe there's a rumple still skin light story he's got some straw into gold business going on i guess we'll find out about <laughs> he could be an alchemist i don't know could be a gigolo <laughs> <laughs> for british tourists oh just they're like trying to figure out how to deal with all these cave people i feel like they just should have shown them an outdoor movie or something like buffy's so clearly distracted by tv fire is a concern uh (laughs) outdoor movie i don't know it just felt like they weren't thinking very hard about how to deal with the problem and so you're just watching this just like fires and just things like falling apart it felt like needlessly apocalyptic but it's fine it's fine i also feel like fire bad is like a frankenstein quote not a caveman quote right a little sloppy that's all i'm saying <laughs> just like well, fire when, bad, tree pretty it's just like when the show lets you think of an answer like it kind of prompts thing and then they don't really i don't know if it, it felt like it was showing ways to deal with the cave people and then not like using them 
whatever like the tv was distracting her ah anyway it was fun yeah there's there's all like that one caveman gets hit by a car and then his compatriots is he dead by the way is that person probably like did you say like his compatriots just abandon him and they don't like he's not in the van like there's still like a two days from now he's still going to be in the road with like a broken collapse in front of a club car i feel like there should be more cave people like the beer is like they only have like two taps in this bar i mean it was unclear why they weren't serving everyone frost did he like pick and choose like you're the biggest jerk so you get the poisoned black frost and then you can have regular black frost i think it's all poisoned right but those were the biggest drinkers yeah i don't know yeah there's i wrote down does jack hate them or himself Two dumb noticings about Black Frost. One, it sounds like the name of an anime, which is awesome. Uh, totally. And the second, uh, it's a light beer. It's like not a dark beer, right? Shouldn't it be a dark beer? I think this is, I don't want to step on somebody's pun here. Oh, sure, sure. Was this the beginning of the craft beer trend? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I think it's an American lager is what I'm assuming. Because I feel like it was before, even though Jack is like, says something about fruity microbrews. Yeah. It's definitely before the microbrew explosion. So it would have probably been like some just American craft beer, right? Or American mm-hmm. lager, right? No, I, I don't know. I find it hard to believe that there'd be like an old man, like American light lager called Black Frost. Like that is, the, that is a totally like a, a believable name for like an obnoxious craft beer. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that lab setup too that you saw. I was like, it's a glimpse into the Anheuser-Busch machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it just drips beer on top or drips a chemical on top of a keg. Like it may be an open keg. Like that, yeah, that, uh, right. that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. Beer, yeah, it, kegs are pressurized. It's such a closed system. Like you can't expose, you can't over ferment or expose the, the beer like that. That's the warlock magic. I'm sure somebody doing the like setup for this episode was like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> These fucking writers don't know anything. But eh. why does the caveman leader just get to keep his shirt on and no one else does? Is it so we can identify him or? He- <laughs> It's like comb is so important. Make sure he keeps the blue button up on. <laughs> it's like me in the pool. Always keep your shirt on. How do people rate the caveman acting in this episode? Because no Ron Perlman, but it's pretty good. <laughs> it's definitely no Ron Perlman. Uh, I think they do a good job. Um, the makeup isn't great. Like uh, the main leader, they like darken part of his face, but not around the mouth, and it makes a little dis- it makes a weird distraction. Uh, but I think Sarah Michelle Gellar actually does a great job as a cave person. I could tell that they were trying to be cave people, so I wasn't confused about what was going on. Right. I was mostly confused what was going on in the writing room, but uh, the acting <laughs> was fine. I liked the early assumption in the episode that bartenders mostly give amazing advice to people, and that's like what the role is. Of course, they do that classic Whedon cut where they cut from, oh, I'll be good at giving advice or whatever, to like, I, I'm overwhelmed by the number of patrons that want drinks and can't solve this problem. The show has one idea of what bartenders do. What do you think bartenders actually do? I was just curious. Um, I had a bartender last night say to me, I wish there was a purge for customer service, for people who work customer service. And I was like, I kind of agree with you, but I'm kind of freaked out you said that to me. <laughs> I don't know what I've done. So they uh, incite revolution. Okay, that's one thing bartenders Like do. one day where they get to slaughter the patrons is what I assume. Which bar was that? Is that a local place? Just your favorite local hang? Oh, it's this local pub called the Whole Foods Tap Room. 
If you're going to call a population anywhere, it should probably be there. Probably be at a Whole Foods. Yep. I like it because it's across the street from my apartment. What do other people think bartenders do? This is an odd question. Yeah. No, no. I, it's like, what do you think a job this is, is about? a mysterious job. I feel like it's not like, <laughs> you're not like, not like hedge fund managers where you like have to guess. They're, they're, these are bartenders. They work in the open. <laughs> it feels like the kind of old-timey bartender that would give you advice is somebody that works in like a dive bar or something mm-hmm. like that, or like right. a grizzled old. It's not a place you'd go in college where you, yeah. you go it, for advice. You're it's like the more time a bartender has, has to devote to making like fancy or complicated cocktails, that decreases the amount of time they can give you advice. Right. So like a dive bar probably has just like whiskey and beer and a pool table. And it's not like they're going to be, you know, 10 ingredients in a bottle or something. Uh, I don't know. I think I, I definitely used to hang out in dive bars that still did the cocktail stuff, but it was not their specialty. Mm-hmm. But they would, uh, I would go to this bar that uh, the bartender would like try to invent cocktails. Uh, they were never quite as successful, honestly, as the caveman. The caveman. That's very kind. Uh, did you guys ever uh, have a college bar? I didn't start going to bars until later. I uh, definitely went to bars in college for sure. Uh, there was a whole street of bars in Ohio University. Uh, so definitely went to bars. But, you know, it was mostly other people who were students. So it didn't feel like I was getting sage advice. It felt yeah. like <laughs> it was just another college student who was a little less drunk than you uh, giving advice or making suggestions about what to drink next. Uh, I just don't have the sense that, you know, I guess Andrew has going in that bartenders are these sages that give advice. And maybe that's from another era of like whatever era the writers are from. Like in my well, actual experience. I probably grew up uh, watching Cheers. I was looking for some Sam Malone. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Or Star Trek The Next Generation. He could be trying to be Guinan. That's pretty sage Hold advice. On, that's my question. Uh, I'm going to quote. On. I'm going to quote Michael Poli's uh, latest video upload and say, oh. "John, you've got Star Trek herpes." <laughs> <laughs> I definitely. I'm patient zero. I think. <laughs> Speaking of college, have you guys ever felt like a townie in a college town, like Xander? Because I definitely have. I mean, I wasn't from uh, when when Dennis and I were uh, both living in Bloomington. Dennis had lived there for a while, and I had really did just pretty much move there for college. But I definitely felt like a townie. Because uh, I was a little, little bit older than college age, or I was, you know, a little older than everybody else, and uh, the drinking culture there was really gross and really disgusting, and yeah. just people like, you know, kind of like fratty type dudes getting drunk and like pushing mailboxes over and stuff in the street just for no reason, and just I remember that just really made me angry. And uh, but I got my revenge because I worked at the liquor store. And I would card like the FBI. I was like fucking high <laughs> up in there. I had like a black light and a magnifying glass. I was all ready to ask them about their like star sign and shit and make sure that it was a real ID. <laughs> I didn't care if it was real. I just like, I always made them wait. It was really fun. I got my revenge. It was great. I definitely remember uh, uh, being out late enough that the bar, when the bars let out, it felt like the zombie apocalypse like every night because people would be stumbling and lurching and a couple times they would actually like lunge at you while you're on your bike and you're like what the fuck like wow. what time did they close it too yeah probably around two right yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i really i identified with jack in this episode i was like that's they totally deserved it <laughs> i also think like xander calls him a bad man but i'm like give xander a year and he would have done this exact same thing <laughs> seriously so in college, I briefly, I worked at Wendy's for a year. And that was just because it was like one of the few jobs I could get because of whatever in college. And like, 
I was one of the few students to work at this Wendy's. And so I definitely heard like all the managers, everybody who ran that place was a townie, right? And there was definitely that townies versus students attitude. And I remember being like, just hearing the harebrained schemes of some of these townies to get revenge, like just nondescript revenge on students who also provided them with their income, you know? So it's just like, it's a weird, it's a weird angry thing about like, I didn't go to college. You guys just come here for fun and then you leave and I'm going to get you. And oh, like, yeah. it, it just, and you get treated like shit by these people who are there for four years and they yep. cycle out and new people come in. Like, I don't know. I feel it. Yeah. They treat it like a theme park. It sucks. Uh, so this leads perfectly into John's next uh, question about service industry jobs. Yeah. Anybody have, I mean, I've got, I, I was, I worked in service for like 10 years. So yeah, I've got uh, a lot of stories, but closest, I'm sure you guys do too. Yeah. The closest I've come to, I, I was never a bartender, but I did work wait staff um, at a hotel that I also lived in and we had to serve a lot of Dartmouth students, especially Dartmouth um, business school students. And they were the fucking worst, man. Uh, I mean, they would like, I, part of my job was to make sure sex wasn't happening in the cloakroom and stuff. And they would like fight me. Um, I definitely checked ideas that I knew were fake. And I was like, dude, this is very clearly fake. And it was similar to the Xander thing of like, there's a mustache on you. <laughs> uh, and I've worked, um, I've worked uh, cafeteria for uh, college, for the college. And, you know, those kids are shitty also, like in the library, just, I don't know. Students are shitty. <laughs> they say stuff like, why are you like, you know, getting upset about the hour, our hours? And they're like, that's gay. You're like, what? I don't, uh, when, I don't when I think of service industry jobs for me, I think about when I worked at a Starbucks only because when Xander is dealing with that crazy volume of people, that's like what I felt like at Starbucks. Like, cause we didn't necessarily have a good way. Like I didn't work at a neighborhood Starbucks. I worked at a Starbucks in uh, an, outlet mall which is like one of and it's the closest outlet mall outlet mall to disney world so it was just like tons of insane tourists and like if you yelped for coffee it was the closest coffee place to disney this is before they had the deal with starbucks and they had starbucks at disney now they do so some of these freaks wouldn't uh be there but it was just like it was a really crazy uh super fast pace people said shitty things to you you just had to like just "Mm, that's not about me this is something i don't have to deal with i make the coffee at the pace i want because starbucks has this whole experience coffee experience but no one really gives a shit uh when they just <laughs> yeah. like or want a coffee because it's they have kids or whatever they're trying to like buy jeans uh but it was like a weird mix because in the morning and afternoon it would be this insane rush and then the afternoon and evening would be all turkish dudes just wanting to hang without their wives and just talk about <laughs> Turkish politics and so just like it just went zoop, just a total different vibe around five o'clock <laughs> Uh, anyway, just weird. Jason, I know you've worked some service industry. Yeah, I worked at Starbucks too for a lot of years. Uh, then I also waited tables. I was a singing waiter for a while. I had to wear a costume and sing ridiculous songs. That was an experience. That was a requirement uh, of the job, or that was that just was a requirement of the job. <laughs> just my own flair. I was like, I'm going to be a pirate today. <laughs> and I wandered in. No, yeah, it was it was very interesting. It was all a lot of retired people. I worked at this place, which is now defunct, called Bobby McGee's, where the retired population would, of Burbank would come in about 4 p.m. for their prime rib special, and I would just be dressed as a Cub Scout, giving them more horseradish. It was a uh, pretty uh, soul crushing. And that then I like would, a yeah. weird nightmare. Yeah. Then I would 
go to work at Starbucks after that. At one point I worked at both places, kind of like a day and night sort of thing. Um, and, but the claim to fame of the Starbucks that I, I worked at in Burbank was, it was a stand-in for San Diego in uh, Jurassic Park, The Lost World, I think. So if you look, if you watch that movie, which I think was the second one, you can see the Starbucks where I worked. I wasn't there at the time, but you, can see <laughs> you weren't there when the when no. the T Rex attacked. <laughs> no, luckily I survived. <laughs> 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 I survived. Uh, why don't you ask the, the next question then? So there has to be an episode of Star Trek where Data gets drunk, and I feel like I've seen an episode oh. where that happens, but I can't remember. And was hoping, having some faith that people here might remember. There has to be a Data gets drunk episode. There just has to be. It's the second episode of the series. Uh, they yeah. make it now. If you prick us, do we not leak? I knew it. I knew it, man. All right. Not, not the best episode. Uh, Are you serious? Just, yeah. Is that really an episode? Yeah. yeah. Everybody gets drunk. It's magic. Us, do we not leak? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he says that's that. A yeah. Terrible name. <laughs> that's not no, the that's title. That's, oh. that's some of his drunk dialogue. Oh, okay. Or they, why do they try to explain how a robot can get drunk? Yeah. Yeah, the explanation makes no sense, but they just they need data to be drunk for the action to unfold. They needed the money from the government, so they. <laughs> <laughs> how much of a university has to burn down before the fire department's <laughs> There was a lot of smoke happening, right? And that took a long time for... And it took a long time for smoke inhalation to even be an issue. Like, I think Parker coughs. But for a yeah. while, apparently that's not a problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, switching to Geico really so easy. A caveman could do it. I kept thinking of this whole... <laughs> have to ask Cal Penn. Yeah. Jack to serve everyone that beer or just the people he really hates? Does he, like when he was coming out of the back with that crate, he was like, this is for these chuckle nuts over here. <laughs> I don't get the impression he has like, like a really grand plan with this. He's just like, I think he's just, it's just chaos. I think he's yeah. just striking out at whoever's in front of him. He's like, I wonder if his uh, brother-in-law is Ethan Rain, maybe. Oh. It seems like a, like a, it's, not chaotic enough for him, but it's chaotic enough that he'd like lend some like consulting to. This does feel like an Ethan Rain episode. That's a good point. That would have been a great twist. Recommendations. So yeah, the in-app recommendation is cocktail, which you know what? I've never seen. Uh, but I, I'm... I'm so this isn't my favorite episode, obviously, but I love caveman movies. Like, I am super big fan of caveman movies, so I was pumped. Uh, so I'm going to recommend both versions of One Million Years B.C. Uh, the latter version is more famous with Raquel Welsh and Ray Harryhausen doing effects. The original version um, stars uh, John's great aunt, Carol Landis. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm also going to recommend, also from Hammer, uh, When Dinosaurs Ruled the Earth, uh, another good fur bikini movie. Um, Ega is a teen caveman movie. Uh, it's a good MST3K episode. And uh, Ega, the caveman who gets unfrozen from time, um, is played by Jaws from uh, the James Bond movies. Um, caveman with uh, uh, Ringo Starr and Dennis Quaid. And there's actually going to be two Dennis Quaid recommendations in this list, which is exciting. Um, <laughs> If you're a big Dennis Quaid fan like me. Uh, the best caveman movie overall is definitely Quest for Fire. Uh, Ron Perlman is perfectly cast as a caveman. Uh, 
Um, <laughs> they use like like real lions and put giant saber tooths on them. Um, and it's got some of the best like visual gags. Like one of the things is like a, a saber tooth lion chases them up a tree and then it like cuts to like Ron Perlman chewing on a leaf and then like it cuts to the next day and all the leaves are gone from the tree. <laughs> He's just eating all the leaves. Like Clan of the Cave Bear, I don't recommend just because it, one of the things I like from caveman movies is I like that they're kind of exercises in silent storytelling. And Clan of the Cave Bear doesn't do that because they have subtitles and they have like heavy narration. So to me, this just feels like a failure. And I'm going to recommend uh, the best town versus gown movie is Breaking Away. Uh, which is set in Bloomington, Indiana, where I went to college and where John hung out and did some college, right? Yep. Um, and I used to work at the, cafeteria, at the cafeteria at IU that during like the first week, the freshman orientation week, would play Breaking Away on loop. It was a little much, but I would still like, the movie's good enough that there was still like a point in that movie where if I was like cleaning tables while I was playing or something, there's a point in that movie that would make me choke up every time. So I'd be like, <laughs> all right, I can't be cleaning the tables during this period, right? Dur during these, in this 90 minute loop. I believe somebody else is recommending Captain Caveman. Yeah, man, he's a short, hairy caveman. It's got a big stick. And Travis, I think you got one here. Encino Man from the 1990s. Oh, of course. Pretty solid. That's, that's Brendan Fraser's whole career started right there. And Sean Astin's in it, and of course, Polly Shore. Everybody, of course, we call us Polly Shore. Yeah, after Deptar Tarzan, though, I feel like he was kind of typecast. <laughs> Polly Shore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Polly Shore obviously had a very diverse career. <laughs> yeah. I think you mean George of the Jungle, right? Oh, George of the Jungle. That's right. That's right. George of the Jungle. Thank you, Dennis. I think we saw that in the theater, you and I. Yeah, I don't know why. Why is that I don't not on your record? <laughs> He's not a caveman. I mean, this is the theme I think the episode's trying to get at is like, are we all just cavemen underneath? It's cavemen are the id. I almost feel like it's not even worth talking about. Uh, but I think that's I would exactly. agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to get your opinion because I don't, I haven't watched all these cavemen movies, but to me in this episode, the cavemen were kind of like fast zombies because they couldn't really speak, you know, and they were kind of just motivated by these primal urges. Um, and to me, Fast Zombies only got into existence when 28 Days Later came out. Before, it seemed like zombie movies, they were slow moving. So to me, this was kind of cool, but I'm not sure in those other cavemen movies, if the bad cavemen, is it, are they all quick and fast and, and those other recommendations? Because I haven't seen all those recommendations. Or most uh, well, most of them are cavemen. It's all cavemen. the hero, right? Aren't they cavemen there's, heroes? There's good cavemen and bad cavemen. Yeah. Um, so this one is like, this is like, they're all kind of bad here. So it's like... So I'm just wondering. To me, that's what it kind of felt like. I'd love to hear what you guys thought. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think if you throw a caveman into the 21st century, it's going to have kind of the zombie style, I guess. Um, but I think, you know, you're going to find more sympathy in a caveman than you are a zombie, right? Oh, yeah. It's weird because cavemen are what we were and zombies are what we become. <laughs> or where we're, where we're going, right? Where we're yeah. going, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Is the zombie apocalypse inevitable? Yeah. Did it start in caveman times? <laughs> Were there cave zombies? <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a movie right there. Zombie caveman in caveman times. Will they they caveman v zombie. Caveman v zombie would be a great horror movie. It's so challenging to figure out which is a caveman, which is a zombie, right? So like that's half the movie is the 
you don't even know that the zombies have taken over, right? Or like the cavemen can't figure it out. Oh. Yeah, they definitely are not able to strategize. It would so take it's a, a caveman like, detective to figure it out. <laughs> it would take Captain Caveman. I think we got the script like half written already. <laughs> uh, I want to spend some time talking about uh, Parker. I think that the most Parker's the most interesting part of this episode. And I want to kind of think about Parker and Xander. And like, why do we hate Parker so much? But we like, or the show wants us to hate Parker so much, but also wants us to give Xander a pass with his uh, behavior. Not, I mean, Xander's fine in this episode for the most part, but uh, Xander's behavior up till now. Uh, we, we spent some time uh, a couple episodes ago talking about how, you know, uh, Xander is this like reflection of, uh, you know, Joss Whedon's way he thinks about himself. And we talked about how like, well, actually, that also, he also maybe Xander's also reflecting the things that we've learned about Joss Whedon in the last year and some of the negative things about Joss Whedon. Um, and I'm just kind of wondering, like, maybe Parker reflects that too. I mean, um, Whedon didn't write this episode, but like, I'm, I'm wondering, like, the, Parker with his like, Fedora pickup artist nonsense. I don't know, like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say to compare them, like I don't think Xander ever did what Parker's doing. Like, but like, is it just that he's not good at it? Dog. Like, yeah. Well, I, I mean, the thing is, at the beginning, there's Horn Dog Xander, right. right? But, um, like what we've kind of found is like he's like, or maybe we haven't found it yet. I don't know. Right. But he's not actively being too predatory, right? Like, he might talk a good game, but that's not. Or he talks. Well, a that's bad the thing game. is, yeah, he talks a bad game, right? And I, I guess I'm just. But I just don't think even if he got that shit figured out, I don't think that's really who he is. Is my interpretation because he does. I, right. Even, he's more of a relationship guy. Like he's been well, only in the one. Remember when he said he thought about Buffy when she was naked, and she's like, "Don't ever tell me that again, please." That's true. Which is like a a. It's like an eight. That's. Yeah, that's like, you know, friend, not friend ending, though it could be. But it's like, definitely that's an HR complaint under any other circumstance. <laughs> I think so Parker and Xander have a lot of similarities, John. I, I, I feel like, like, like Parker is uh, it's a successful some degree, Xander. Yeah, Parker is successful Xander. Or Parker is uh, something that Xander thinks, at one point at least, thought he wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So what would have happened to Parker if there was like a bewitched, bothered, bewildered scenario, which is, you know, Jason, that's the episode where Xander gets a love potion created or some kind of love magic so that every woman falls in love with him. Like, I feel like Parker would have handled that differently than Xander. Xander's initially excited and then terrified. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe that's where that inevitably goes, but it does feel like Parker would have a little bit more control and have be a little bit more knowing about what's happening. Like, I don't feel like Parker would be in the same situation that Xander would be in. Well, to be fair, Xander was in 11th grade. And Parker would be some sort of college person. We've only known him as a college person. College person. Is he a freshman? He lives in the dorms. I can't figure it out. I mean, he looks older than everyone else on the freaking cast. <laughs> he's, I guess he's got his, like, cafeteria expertise and stuff. Yeah, he must be. He's definitely not a freshman. Sophomore. He's auditing he's well freshman courses. Yeah, that he gave oh, very yeah. well rehearsed speech. So, I, I get the like sense that I get the sense that Parker's uh, did, did his, are his parents. No, I mean we don't know if his parents were divorced. We just know his dad's dad, right? Allegedly, allegedly, 
But I just get the sense that Parker's like, yeah, this is a lot of learned stuff in a time where it's probably hard to learn a lot of these skills. I bet his dad's a scumbag and he just learned it from his dad, right? As far as like behaviorally. Uh, and Xander doesn't have those male role models in his life <laughs> to like, you know, uh, teach him how to behave like that. I mean, that's... He's got Uncle Rory to teach him about the schnapps. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Rory's like midlife crisis is buy a nice car or whatever, right? Like, you know, that's not like a really good role model for how to actually manipulate women or how to get what you want. I feel like Parker's got a, yeah, he's a stronger, sharper character. That's like a good foil to Xander as someone who has kind of their act together. Uh, as Now, is he a good person? No. I mean, I don't think he's a good person, but he's like a sm- much smarter version of Xander. Well, I was just saying Mike was, was defending Parker in the episode that I wasn't on. I um, think I was, wasn't I? Somebody was. I think that was yeah, Parker's, yeah, Parker's yeah. a scumbag. You, you can't tell our voices apart. Um, I think <laughs> male number three was defending him, and I'm yeah. I, I actually think yeah. who that was the thing with the thing with Willow, where um, he is clearly lying and manipulating uh, her, does just put it into a different, uh, pretty different territory. I do have questions though, to like how I wonder how Parker sees himself, like. How much does he see? Is he like a full-on cynical pickup artist where he's just like, I'm just going to lie and cheat and do whatever I have to do to get laid? Or do you Probably think he believes his own that. philosophy that he, that he gives about like, oh, I just assume casual sex is the default. And if, if we don't say otherwise, then uh, do you think there's any part of him that believes that as a question I have? I think, I think he has antisocial personality disorder. I think, I, think he's, I think he's a psychopath. There's a diagnosis. There we go. Yeah. I think it's I think it's antisocial personality. So. I think he believes it, John. I agree. I don't I mean he's obviously lying though cuz his um cuz he's like you don't tell people we're not going to grow older together. It takes the fire out. That's him saying like Yeah, I noticed that too. That that's like basically saying you have to lie cuz sex is only fun when you're lying. <laughs> also, <laughs> it's all his assumption that like Buffy had a good time during sex, like I obviously didn't see the sex. But so male. do you really think you can like fucking pleasure the slayer? Come on. <laughs> Dude, it takes superhuman strength and stamina. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I do wish, and I think I said this kind of before though, I do wish though that the show was was giving us a, a better representation of more positive represent more positive representation of casual sex, especially like to give us a representation of a woman who's interested in sex, but not necessarily in a relationship and have that like, cause faith is that's, we have faith as that, but she's evil. Like that's considered to be a part of what's broken about her. I feel like we're invited to see that as part of what's broken about her. No, oh. um, well, Buffy doesn't really want casual sex. I think that's the difference. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, like she wanted casual sex and it was pretty normal for her. I mean, she eventually was evil later, but I never thought that her sex life was evil. Hmm. I, also, I feel we like, like Faith, even though she's presented yeah. as a bad guy, she's a likable character. That's very so true. That reads different. That's um, very true. And you could say early, early seasons Cordelia was that yeah. kind of. That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, there were. The, I, the, I just don't think they've introduced a character that's really into casual sex right now, outside of Giles. Right. I, I think it's great though that we have that that one scene with Giles though. Giles. Did you know Giles is a ladies' man? I did. I. I just assumed by looking and hearing him. <laughs> <laughs> I asked if this episode even is even worth having deep discussions about, but we are, so I was wrong. Uh, and John, you've already we've already talked about that one. Um, so Jason, why don't you throw some at us? I just felt ashamed about being a man after watching this episode. That's all. Anyone else? 
Uh, no more so than usual. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you watch a lot of these Buffy episodes, you feel pretty terrible being a man. Let me yeah. tell you that. Because the men are pretty awful so far. Uh, Trev, why don't you uh, end us here? I can see back in the 90, 99 or 2000 that like head trauma was kind of funny, ha-ha, physical comedy. Man, they unintentionally really let Buffy give it to, let Buffy really get, get back at Parker because there, is, there are two questions. <laughs> Parker three, gets knocked out three times, twice by Buffy. Yeah, three, yeah, he gets three concussions in the span of like 30 minutes. That's really serious. Uh, <laughs> that is extremely serious. And you, you sprinkle some smoke inhalation and, you know, mild carbon monoxide poisoning on that. Um, I mean, people say she didn't get revenge on Parker, but girlfriend, she got revenge on Parker. All right. That was, that was bad. Uh, you heard it here, folks. Uh, real medical advice from an actual medical doctor. If you get knocked out three times and inhale smoke in the same day, you should seek medical attention. Within an hour. Within <laughs> an hour. Is not graduating from college. Yes. <laughs> yes. If you see smoke, call the fire department. <laughs> yeah, this is Don't like a to make fire yourself. This episode is all PSAs, really, to be quite honest. Don't drink with frat guys, number one. Number two... <laughs> Don't, don't throw fire extinguish directly into the fire. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I would just like to say that I, right now, am not smart enough to stack a bookcase against the wall and crawl out of a burning building, but these cave people figured it out right away. That's also the backdraft moment. That's like the worst thing you do in a fire is open a window. That was like PSA number four. Don't open a window because the fire will leap straight to the window. That's like, yeah, this was dangerous episode. I mean, I was like, oh my God. Thank you, Travis. I hadn't yeah. thought about the, the real world physics of the fire, honestly. It's bad news. You either watch Backdraft or go to the, the, the ride Backdraft, I think, at Universal Studios. Or, uh, yeah, or recreate. No, don't recreate it at home. I'm just kidding. Virgin Predictions. So I, there's actually not that much to talk about for this episode, um, although we do have a... Uh, Caveman lawyer. A, yeah, well, <laughs> we have a fan who, uh, Sagov9, uh, brought up that... Uh, so Mike predicted that there would be a PTC, PTSD reference to graduation. Um, in, uh, we gave him that prediction because uh, that sort of happened in season four, episode three. But Zagov9 points out that the PTSD reference, if it was one, was actually in season four, episode three, while Michael predicted it would be in season four, episode one, which means that Zagov9 <laughs> is taking better notes on Mike's predictions than I am. <laughs> uh, so what do you guys say? Should, since we gave it to Mike, should we just give it to him or should we like kind of No, like I think we should reward Sagoff 9 for Sagoff <laughs> 9 you're now in the you're now a part of this race. So wait, what does that mean? How do we reward by reward Sagoff 9 by by rejecting Michael's by, by claim? Denying it. All right. No, 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 no. We can't take away. That's like We are Sagoff. taking away. No, you can't take away. We already granted. That's like saying so, oh. But I do there's one I think John might have forgotten about that I want to call out and see why or maybe Oh, please do. Yeah. Um I believe Michael predicted that uh Buffy would have a one and done relationship in um Oh that's right. That is definitely true. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you should for that. Because uh, I remember all the what is one and done me conversation. Oh, yes. I'm gonna get PTSD in this episode. 
That one and done. Can you define one and done? Oh my god. I mean, maybe she will get back together with Parker. Yeah, we don't know. Maybe no. it just takes a hit on the head to make you realize what you missed. He comes back next episode with a complete personality change. Also, he's wearing diapers. There will be the PTSD reference uh, is denied. Buffy will have a one night stand is confirmed. Uh, a couple of things that we're not, I think we're going to leave open, but um, Xander will find a way to go to college with Buffy and Willow. Uh, I assume that Mike meant that he's going to matriculate and take classes, not that he's going to be on campus tending bars. So I don't think we can really confirm or deny that one right now, but we're close. Uh, and also Mike predicted that Buffy will fail a college course. She hasn't failed psych yet, but she sure seems like she's it's trying. Close. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, that means that Mike went from a 62% to a 62%. It uh, didn't really change enough. You changed by like a 0.4%. So it didn't really change your overall average very much. <laughs> Great. Well, I have new predictions. Very good. Uh, Buffy will not get hung over again. Prediction one. Prediction two, there will be another townie versus student episode. It's irresistible. It's the formula all college films use. There's no way they can avoid it. There will be no more cavemen or cave women on Buffy. I can tell because Dennis just basically dumped every caveman movie at once <laughs> as a recommendation. So that's not happening again. Buffy and Riley will hook up this season. It has to happen. That TA is too nice. Hella nice. I mean, I don't want to say TA gets the TNA, but that's totally what's happening. <laughs> but you said it. John deducts some points. <laughs> uh, and then Riley will be killed by a vampire. I could just say Riley will be killed, but he's going to get killed by a vampire. Will Riley become an undead person? Will he become a vampire? Eh, I don't know. He could just be killed in a normal way. He doesn't have to get his blood sucked out and change into a vampire. But he's going to get killed by a vampire. Can I just about Riley is I have a cousin named Riley and <laughs> she's a woman. So I feel like Riley is a girl name, although I think it's non-gender specific. I know but it's three always, women named Riley. Yeah, yeah. It's always weird to me to, to hear this guy named Riley just from my personal experience. Like you got a lady name. All right. Uh, well, I that's think all. that's yeah. the episode. Uh, I've been Dennis A. John. You can buy my comics online. I'm at Dennis Comics everywhere, except for Instagram, where I'm Dennis Saint Comics. Uh, Jason, where can people find your stuff? What are you up to? What do you got to promote? Uh, go out and buy your Peanuts books, everybody. <laughs> How about that? Uh, Jason uh, is a writer in Peanuts and uh, um, has written a couple trade tra uh, graphic original yeah. trade paperbacks. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite? I think my favorite is the upcoming one coming out this what? year. It's an adaptation of Race for Your Life, Charlie Brown. Sounds exciting. Based on the uh, 1970s classic cartoon. Can't wait. Uh, who else has something to promote? Uh, Mike, you just got a new video you posted. Yeah, I just posted a new, uh, new YouTube video about my experience at Whedon Con. Uh, so you can check that out on my Michael Poli YouTube channel. I think we tweeted it out. So the people that follow this podcast probably seen it already but uh if not uh yep youtube michael poley i'm at michael poley on twitter yes don't forget to like and subscribe and uh give us ratings it helps um and we'll see you next week in hell <laughs>